Well, howdy doodles, strangers on the internet. Welcome to another <laughs> serendipity. <laughs> what is it, Zach? What is it? Boy, do I feel like we just offended everybody listening. I don't know what that was about. I said howdy doodle. I said howdy doodle. I know. You got a problem with that? Well, hi there, listeners. How are you today? How diddly doodle? <laughs> Uh, and I didn't know we just came back to leave it to Peter. All right. Well, okay, anyway, so you wanna you wanna try that again, Drew? I mean, no, no, no. no I wanna it. I wanna roll it. Going. I wanna roll hard with this. Hi, strangers on the internet. Uh, hope you're having a great day. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Now That's What I Call a Video Games Podcast, Episode Seven. Now that's what I call an alternative lifestyle. Today we're gonna be talking about being a gamer what that really loose term means nowadays, and talking about what we like about it, what we dislike about it, and some weird fluff in the middle. I'm Drew, and a fun fact about me is I was a terrible theater nerd in high school. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Adam, and in high school I was... You know, I guess I was just so multifaceted. I, you know, I, I feel like I could be in any category oh, man humble bragging prob- i'd probably just fall under generic geek person who was around uh and uh i'm zach and uh in high school i was i think i was the giga nerd <laughs> oh no <laughs> the nerd is evolving i like how you it evolved into giga nerd i like how your social outcast term is just to one-up adam that that makes a lot of sense <laughs> no 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 okay so what, what I mean by that, I, didn't, I don't know if I one-upped Adam. We well, th- there's Nerd and then there's Giga Nerd. Giga Nerd is clearly the, the one-upped version of, of humble, everyday nerd. That's true. Right. Everybody um, knows that if you, if you want to become a Giga Nerd, you need to get a Firestone, level up to level 30, and then evolve your nerd. Everybody knows that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What you were saying, Zach? But yeah, um, so, so the reason I keep saying that I was the Giga Nerd um, is that uh, I, I I believe that there are three pillars to the nerd trifecta. Oh God. Um, oh right. No, I have, a, I have a system for everything, Adam. I'm sorry. I'm gonna just systematize it all. Mm. And what are the three so, pillars? So the three pillars are um, tabletop miniature game. There's more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I'm mostly referencing Warhammer 40k. And then it is tabletop role playing games. And then it is uh, tabletop collectible card games. And Wouldn't this just be the all of the tabletop category, not necessarily the nerd. I, like I, I feel like you're severely limiting what it means to be a geek. I'm sorry. Like no, but I think no, 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 no. I'm not saying you don't choose can't. my lifestyle. <laughs> all right, guys. I feel, I feel like the pendulum is swinging towards Adam on this one. Adam is just like, yeah, I did, I did stuff. I did it. But I'm just saying. I multiclassed everything. I mean, the crux is, the I mean, crux of it is if you were in the Breakfast Club, which one are you? Um, but, you know, maybe no one's seen that movie. Maybe I'm just a uh, weirdo. No, I did. Who was the guy? Uh, I had a friend. A friend, like, sat me down and forced me to watch it. What'd Aww. you think? Um, I liked it. It was pretty good. It was also like, this is clearly the 80s. That's true. What's the yeah. actor's name who played like the jock, like football guy that was there? Emilio S. 
activist? No, I don't think that's true. All I know is that guy later went on to go to play Coach Bombay from the Mighty Ducks movie. What? Every time I see him, all I know, all I see is like, what's Coach Bombay doing here? Does he want me to do the flying V? I'm not even skating. Wait, was he the was he the the, the punk guy who was like, "Yeah, break the rules," or was he like the jock? No, no, no. He was he was the jock who was like, oh, "I don't know what I'm doing here." You, know, <clears throat> oh, you guys are weird. I see. That is yeah. that is a weird connection, and I kind of want it to be a part of the same extended universe. You know what I mean? I like, like to think that he played football in high school, went to law school, and then oh no. He, he started playing hockey. Oh, no. He's got to coach the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> okay. That's uh, turn around. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's that's weird. That's perplexing. How's everyone's week doing? How are you doing? What's going on, folks? Man. Uh, I guess I'll take it first. Let's see, what did I do? So, we recorded Tuesday last week. So, since then, Tuesday. Uh, work week was kind of work, work. I'm still grinding away at Overwatch. Uh, Blizzard has deemed me not worthy to have the new Zenyatta skin, but I will get it. I swear to God, I will. Which one is? What's Zenyatta's oh, new? Oh, it's uh, it's like a monk or something, right? Yeah, he's a uh, San Zhang. I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that name wrong, but he's the monk from the Journey to the West story, or that's what he's supposed to be representing. And it's just a really cool looking skin, and I feel like because I've been jaded by uh, the last event where I got on the first draw. It's like, oh, I will certainly get it the first time now. Uh, cut to, like, 20 loot boxes later, and like, god damn it, I still don't have it. Come on. I, so, I got the one that I wanted, which was the little intro, and after, mm-hmm. it's all gravy from there. It's all just like, oh, cool, that's a thing. That's a thing for yeah. me. I actually... Uh, I actually... I, I bought the skins I wanted. I had... Uh, oh, there's gold? Yeah, I like there was the Merchy skin that I wanted, and then there was the there was like one other one that I wanted. I just bought well, those. you see, before this event, I was getting very upset that I kept getting duplicates. I was like, I don't want more duplicates. I just want new stuff. Now that I need duplicates to get money, the game is just going to give me new stuff. <laughs> so I feel Blizzard's watching me. I'll find you eventually. I know you're in this room. <laughs> I, I'm playing that. Uh, I played a shit ton of Final Fantasy 15. Oh yeah! Tell us about Final Fantasy Watch 2017. Oh yeah, Final Fantasy Watch. <laughs> Final Breaking Fantasy Watch 2017. 2017. Uh, so I'm at beginning of chapter eight. Uh, fun stuff. The game is really fun. Uh, I basically. So I was at chapter six, and I got a little notification that says, oh, if you start this quest, you won't be able to come back here. And I, like I've mentioned before, at some point in the game, it goes from very open world to very linear. And I was like, I better stop and do all these side quests before I miss them, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I went and did all of the side quests and acquired a shit ton of experience points and leveled up like crazy. Uh, if, I, I know Zach's played it. Drew, since you haven't played it, the way you level up in this game is you get experience points, but you don't actually, it doesn't actually count towards your level until you sleep, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you need to sleep and rest to get it all. I did so many side quests that when I went to sleep, I had 90,000 experience points. See, that that could mean I a went, lot or a little depending on what game. I went to bed, uh, I went to bed at the double experience points in. So I cashed out 180,000 experience points, 
which took me from level 36 to level 49. Yeah! I can be impressed by uh, that. That's I impressive. also apparently did a quest, uh, and Zach, you'll know this, I, I did a quest about a level, a mission 8, or sorry, chapter 8, I'm already walking around with the Ultima Blade. That's cool. Um, I the don't Ultima, know what that is. Oh, sorry. I wasn't sure if Final Fantasy XIV did it. Uh, the Ultima Blade oh, is right. traditionally oh. one of the strongest weapons in the game. It's usually like the super weapon that you get. And it's like, why do I have this at Chapter 8? Oh, no. Did I sequence break something? So I decided to stop side questing for a bit because I found out you can go back to side questing later. I just did story. And I have a very important question, Adam. Which of which of the four bros is your favorite bro by this point in the game? That's real hard to say because the game it, to me wait. has done such a good job of characterizing the three of them or make I I'll take that back. So I think some of them can seem lacking if you haven't like looked at a lot of the supplemental stuff. Like there was that whole spin-off anime that kind of gateway into their backstory and some like supplemental reading stuff mm. and since i did that i, I kind of know the characters uh which leads me to a point i'll bring up in a second but so far i, I gotta say i kind of like all of them and i know it's a cop-out ignis however is may is by far my favorite if only because of this meme that started about him where whenever he's do like whenever you get a new recipe he goes that's it i've come up with a new recipe <laughs> so i was walking through the dungeon and we picked up a, a drop from an enemy. This is an ancient dungeon. We're underwater. Uh, you know, these are the ruins of a lost civilization. And we've killed these demons that have been lurking about. And as we're regathering ourselves, Ignis says, That's it. I've come up with a new recipe. It's like, what recipe? Ah, toasted butter or something like that. It's like, fucking what? I'll eat it? Yeah. I'll eat yeah, it. Just, I'll be doing something important, and you might think, oh, you might have some reverence for this. Nah, Ignis is always thinking that next recipe. <laughs> uh, I, my only wish is that it could happen during dramatic cutscenes. Um, oh, I, God, I wish. I wish you'd be like, oh no, Noctis is, Noctis is dying, but look, that apple, that's it. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about it a step further. Like, like there's, um, like there's that scene from Final Fantasy VII where an important character dies forever, and uh, then someone just says, "Oh, I've come up with a new recipe." That's probably not how you're supposed to say it because I haven't played the game. I couldn't. Paris's flowers. That's it. I've come up with a new recipe: flower iced tea. Like, son of a bitch, Ignis. That sounds delicious to wa to wash down the sorrow I'm feeling. Oh dear. Uh. The one complaint I have about 15 is, uh, and I think this might this might even end up being a feature at some point because I think it's you know worth talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, we might bring up in this feature as well is uh, foreshadowing. This this game I like it a lot, but in recent, you know, one of the things I don't think it does particularly well is there are so many like spin-off side things to this game that. Uh, some of them feel like they were just kind of airlifted out of the finished game itself. Mm. And I don't know how to put that another than, like, there's that whole Kingsglaive movie, which I thought, oh, this must be just extra material to cover to add to the game's story. 
Mm-hmm. No, I get the sense that that was the opening cinematic that ran a little too long, so they just made it a movie instead of putting it all in the game. Mm, that's a very so, that's a very Final Fantasy thing to do. Um, so, um, like thirteen was supposed to be like a bunch of different games together. Yeah. And, like and actually, I think I will bring it up in our feature, but you know, just there's a lot of spin-off things and a lot of supplemental material, and it feels like, boy, that could have probably been in the game. I see. I do have. One real fun thing about that. Uh, chapter six, or sorry, chapter seven. One of your party members leaves, and he says, "I got to go take Sarah some business." And you say, "Okay, go take care of some business." And uh, he literally just leaves, and you know in the back of your head, "Oh, he left to go to DLC land. That's what he left for." Oh no! And later he comes back, but the way the game portrays him coming back is. Noctis, one of the reactors is blowing up. There's demons everywhere, and we've already sent a hunter in to go, you know, neutralize the threat. You get in there, and the hunter's standing there like, ah, so you're my backup. And you're just like, wait a minute, that's my party member. You're not even covering his voice. That's just him. And it's super obvious. You're not fooling anyone, but all of the characters are like, who could this person be? And when it's revealed, it's not like a big take-off-the-mask, like, Scooby-Doo style. It's, oh, hey, you were in the reactor with us. Yep, that's me. Let's keep going, guys. <laughs> that sounds like an excellent future feature. I would love to talk like about that. the wonderful ways that DLC ruins potentially good stories. Oh, um, the DLC isn't the problem. It's just, well, we'll get to that. But yeah, there's like FF15, good story. Boy, are there some really rough edges. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. Yeah, basically what I did. Uh... Yeah. Well, that's, so, that sounds lovely. How was your trip? We, uh, how was how was your week, Drew? I, I was trying for German, and it didn't get anywhere. Uh, oh, good, yeah. good try, good try. You're yeah. just all over the place today. I, I liked your Russian earlier. I, I think I think maybe concentrate. What? I I think you enjoy the Russian. Good. It is good you enjoy the Russian. Oh, great! Russia is the land of good things and bad. Don't let those both tell you otherwise. Oh, man. oh my god, audience, I'm so sorry this is happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I apologize. I shouldn't do that. I will never do that again. That's okay. Yes, all I, of our Russian listeners. I am doing I'm doing pretty okay. I'm doing pretty okay. Um let's see here. It's been uh, it's been very wet and rainy over in my lands. Um I've been I've been neglecting I've been neglecting simple chores and little things here and there that I really should get a jump on. Um, but I did see Balto last night, and that was super fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw your status. Did, that, did you just randomly decide, we're watching Balto? Well, okay, I was like, I was looking for something simple to have in the background. Well, I maybe do some editing for this, because I've supposed to have been doing that. Um, but then I saw Balto, and I was like, oh shit, I haven't watched that movie in years. And, and it was like... I expected it to be kind of stupid and like, oh, this this is a goofy old cartoon, but it's like very well done and gets very dark, and I was really enjoying it. And uh, I actually started live tweeting um, my response while watching it, so so that was kind yeah. of fun. Um, <laughs> Did you know they made a sequel to Bolto? Yes, I I learned that. By watching this one, because, like, oh. the little Netflix box closed, and I was trying to write a little joke about the sequel being about a completely more relatable dog, and then there was a sequel about a more relatable dog in the other corner, and I was like, oh, well, damn, my joke is horrible now, and I feel bad. 
Um, that's right, Netflix got you beat, boy. So that that's me doing lots of very important big boy stuff. Lots of very important big boy stuff for, for good old Drew here. Hey, Balto, <laughs> watching movies is always a good idea. Balto is a pretty fun movie. It's true. Zach, would it you... maybe not hate Geese for a while. I see. The, the, the Geese was on his side. The Geese was chilling with him. I know. That's why I said, like, yeah, you know, Geese, geese aren't bad. They're pretty good. Then I went to the beach, and there were, like, 12 Geese, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. They are demon spawn. I forgot. See, my beach has tiny little, like, plovers, these little adorable birds that go up to the water and go, Oh no, I'm gonna get wet! And then they run away really quick. <laughs> it's 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 a game they play. And I watch them, and I'm like, Oh, little birds are so cute. <sighs> Zach, please please talk about something uh, other than birds. Please. Yeah, I was... Oh, wow, okay. Ah, moving. Uh, so, uh, my week has gone interestingly. Uh... I've been work so, um, I guess the first thing I could say is, well, okay, I can't say a lot, but I, I started to work on a project, and we'll see where that goes, and I don't want to specify any details. I have told Drew about it, but I'll, I'll tell you about it. After oh my god, secrets. I can't, you know what, guys, it was a joke last week when we talked about you guys being on a team and not me. <laughs> I didn't know it was for reals. <laughs> I'll tell you about it after. I just, I just don't want a broader public... No, like, anyway, so he's gonna tease it. He's gonna tease oh it. Oh my god! Um, so I've also been playing uh, more Final Fantasy fourteen, and I so I've 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 owned this game for more than a year, and I've never played the PvP for it. Um, and I had a friend of, and so and so my friend who's who's really experienced with it was telling me to go play it, and it was a really good way of grinding up um, uh, the sort of end game currency they have, so you can buy gear. Um. And so I, I played the biggest mode, the like twenty four v twenty four v twenty four, because there's three factions in the game. Jeez. Oh, um, and and I, I kept playing these matches, and they were and they're supposed to be twenty minutes, but the, every time I played it, it was only last like ten minutes. And the first time we dominated the opponents, and the other time uh, we lost, and it was actually I think they sort of crushed us. But but every round was going by really fast. And I get out of it, and I, and I tell my friend about it. I'm like, hey, you know, this is a really easy way of grinding this stuff. And he's like, yeah, those, those matches usually last the full 20 minutes, and you're supposed to be doing the, like, eight years versus eight mans. And I was like, I see. And so I tried the I tried the eight versus eight, and it wasn't very... I was like, yeah, it's all right. Um, and probably the most important part of this is that they talk about the... Like, they were... So some of my friend and some other people were talking about the PvP after. Um, and... And like it comes, it comes to the notion that they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's like monks are really good in the twenty-four man, but they're not very good in the eight man. And I'm like, I play a fucking monk. Like, what? Why do you want me playing the mode that it's not going to be fun for me? <laughs> they're like, no, you got to grind real good. And I'm like, I hate yeah. everyone. Can you um, just change class to a more eight man oriented one? I I only have one at the max level. Oh, gotcha. I only have monk. I can only punch. Oh, Drew, just so you know, uh, in 14, what's really nice about that game is on one character, you can do every skill and okay, every yeah. job. So it's not like he has to start a new character. That's like one of the really cool things about, like, you can just, oh no, this class is bogus and dumb. I'm going to go just choose a different oh, class. Oh, so you don't get do locked into a, into a corner with something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was always like the, my big, like, freak out when I was, like, choosing a class in, like, an early RPG, if it gave me that option. 
Like, I didn't know which classes would be fun and which ones wouldn't, because, like, I wouldn't have played through that magic system. And so, like, that always freaked me out. So it's cool that it's cool that they find a way around that. That's awesome. Yeah, really. no. They, they let you switch at any point after, <clears> like, level 5 or 10. It's, like, once you, once you get one class to level 5 or 10, there's some, like, quests you do. The downside of Final Fantasy XIV is, like, the story is really, really important for that game. Um, and you hit, like, level 50, and you do all of the patch quests between level 50 and level, like, for level 50 until the expansion pack, and I'm, and, and there's a whole slew of them at level 62, mm-hmm. so it's like, you hit level 50, and then you have to grind through a bunch of main story quests, and if you don't care about the story, it's just like, why am I doing this anymore? <laughs> it never it, it see, the thing like it didn't bother me because I'm like I'm like half invested in the story and I like the characters and all that. I heard the story's pretty good actually. Yeah, I, it, it's pretty decent. Um, but but I have friends who just don't care about it. Um, and I had one friend who got to the expansion pack, and we started making jokes about dragon divas, but they they just really don't like the main story, and they find it really trite. What is um, a what is a dragon diva? Oh, if you play Final Fantasy XIV, you go find out. Oh well, I, I definitely you will just, add another RPG to my life just, sometime today. Tell. Um, so this is, <coughs> I guess, spoilers for that expansion pack for. Oh for my Hunter God, Ford. spoilers! No. Oh no! But uh, the, the, uh, uh, what is it like? The whole conflict of of Heavensward, which is the expansion pack, is that, like the elf empire is fighting the dragons and the dragons are like motivated by revenge. And like you step onto the scene and you're trying to like resolve this conflict mm-hmm. in like in varying different ways. Um, and you get to the dragons and they act like fucking divas. They act like, um, oh. they, they're just like loud, proud and in charge. Mm-hmm. They just show up and they're just like, I don't want to do that because pride. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like I got up to one dragon that had been that had been literally mourning his lost love for like the last thousand or two years, and I was oh. just sitting there listening to him to whine at us and whine about how mortals are jackasses and stuff. And I'm just like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You come down here to whine at me, really?" And then he got up and flew away. I was like, "What the fuck?" Mm, poor dragon. Poor fucking dragon whines about shit for fucking eternity. Hey um, man. If you live no. forever, a thousand years is but a moment. Oh, God. Um, no, and then, like, the main bad guy for the entire thing acts like a fucking diva the entire time, too. Like, he's like, oh, I will defeat you. I have been trying to do revenge for the last two thousand years. And I'm like, could you calm down? Could you calm down a little bit? And they're like, no, I must avenge my lost sibling. And I'm like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, which, I mean, I did. But <laughs> I, I have to ask: Are you are you encroaching on spoiler territory for anyone right now? I oh, feel I like you I might be past the threshold for that. <laughs> That's but, right. It sounds like we're in spoiler territory. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to edit in some vuvuzelas for for spoils. Vuvuzelas. <laughs> um, it's all right. Anyways, final piece of news, which is like actual news from my life, is um. Uh, what is it? So I, for the last two years and ten months, I have been running a uh, role-playing game group. And uh, last week on Wednesday, so from where I'm talking right now, um, 
final session. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, it was, I was nervous about it. Um, and I also just like info dumped the players, um, and just like revealed the plot threads and was just like, ha ha, it was ploys within ploys all along. And I was like, I feel like I could have delivered that better. But at the same time, I think everybody was pretty happy to be like, I think everybody got like a fairly satisfying conclusion. Mm. And they got to go like, oh, Did I, they... So was it the it was the conclusion of the campaign that you had kind of planned out, or um, yeah, did they all kind um, of finish their goal? So I had originally planned for a final boss fight, mm-hmm. um, but the players, but I had I had players that conspired to make the situation different. So it ended in more of a um, a lovely chat with the gods who explained the situation to the players, and then the players were like, oh. Oh, okay. Well, why didn't you say that before? God. Oh, so was there no final confrontation, or was it just kind of like, hey, exposition? Yeah, no, there was like a final thing that happened, and then it was exposition. Oh, cool. <laughs> wow, the longest fucking cutscene in existence. He he did a traditional Final Fantasy ending. <laughs> That's right. Very, the very quick combat off. with... Okay, the players had a nemesis, and they never fought the nemesis, because the nemesis became irrelevant. Hmm. <laughs> Your main rifle is just like, I'm here to check, go away, we're dealing with stuff. Yeah, um, kind of, yeah. Anyways, that's that's how that campaign ended, and I'm going to start up a new one, and it's going to be about, um, uh, I basically told my players about this, so I'm not worried about spoilers here, but it is about um, gangsters, it, it takes place in the 1930s, and it is about cryptids. I'm super excited so for are it. All, so all of your players going to be 1930s gangsters? Yes. They're all going to be 1930s gangsters, um, and they are cryptids. Do you know? No, I, I don't. Oh, my. I, I don't, and I believe you explained it earlier, so I might just be blanking. I, I have. Um, so, so cryptids are like Bigfoot and Chupacabra and <laughs> Slenderman. You made, more, you made more rolls on those R's right there. I can't roll my R's, I'm sorry. Chupacabra. Uh, Said in the traditional way. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, but that's that's the basis of the next one, so it's gonna be it's gonna be real goofy and real fun. That sounds pretty fun. That's exciting. That is good. Uh, And while I'm planning for it, uh, another one of my players is running a game, an RPG, uh, where we're all gonna play as superheroes. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. I'll let you guys know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is it just going to be like any old superpower? Is it going to be like you're going to have to be like a Marvel kind of kind of esque superhero? You kind of pick from like a stuff. list of styles. Um, mm-hmm. There's like, okay, give me a bit. All right, all right Zach. I, anyways, I'm I, I, I just want to know is what, what hero are you going to be? Uh, I'm deciding. Uh, right now... Captain Butlord? It better be Captain Butlord. Oh my god. I could. I could, I could play, I could play the Legacy, which is right. the person who's got a family history with it, and then he's just Captain Butlord, because he's part of the Butlord clan. <laughs> but I don't know... If you were playing this, what hero would you be? Um, you know... I don't... I don't know enough about the game rules to come up with a great, great character, but I'm sure I would have some kind of butt-related pun. 
I'm pretty sure my power would revolve around the butt-related pun. Maybe I could be the uh, the tutor, and I would be educating people while also tuning at them. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's probably where I'd go. So my superpower would be education. Gas you a question, and then just fart at them. Oh my god! Sorry. You no, know, no. Here, here's what it would be. Here's what. You, here's what it would be. I would create a cloud of knowledge that they can then waft into their nostrils and just uh, soak oh. up all all the history. Wait, 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 wait. Where did your tooting go? What, what do you mean? Where did it go? This this tutor needs to toot their own horn. Excuse me. No, 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 Zach, 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 Zach. The tutor is a, is a tutor. Like, like, teaching while also tooting, like, toot, toot. And so I would toot, toot a little cloud of knowledge of some kind, you know, math, <laughs> literature, history, okay, something. Okay, this conversation. I'm going to end it right now. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're let's stop, now. and we're going to go. That was great, guys. Did you, Adam. Did you talk about your week? I, I did. I talked, I talked about birds. I, I've talked about my week enough. I would like to know about the news, and then I would like to talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. But okay. before we talk yeah. about what we're supposed to be talking about, Adam has a news story that he'd like to lay um, on down. I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it might be interesting. Uh, uh, so this week, uh, Zenimax and Bethesda... Uh, sorry, Zenimax and Oculus, uh, you know, have had this long-running court case. I think Zenimax filed it in 2014, and it's been running... Ever since, and you know, uh, they they called up uh, Palmer Lucky, Mark Zuckerberg, John Carmack, and it basically revolved around um, Zenimax was accusing Oculus and Facebook of basically using Zenimax code and technology that uh, John Carmack had taken when he left Zenimax and had helped them make the Oculus Rift and all that. Um, and I believe it was, they were looking to get like a couple, I think it was like a billion, I think, I think it was like a billion, four billion from their amount. Uh, and they recently reached this settlement, uh, not settlement, um, the jury had cast a verdict on it and they got half a billion, uh, but not because, you know, the jury said, uh, that John Carmack had taken technology. But it was half a billion because Palmer Lucky had violated an NDA and had used some kind of thing without properly accrediting or broke some NDA there. So Zenimax is getting a half billion dollars. So that'll learn you to break NDAs. But well, yeah, that, that was basically a story, and I kind of wanted to bring it up and see what you guys, if you guys had heard about that one. I, I, it was interesting to watch that. I hadn't heard about it. I, which is weird because it seems pretty high profile. Like you've got two very high profile companies talking about hot, like very hot software, hot technology. Um, so then, is it is it concluded then? Like, or is this like it's been settled and there's no going to be any more like repercussion? Or are the two companies going to like kind of keep going back and forth with each other about like about the NDA? Well, it sounds like the NDA part had gotten settled out. Um, but I guess they are appealing uh, the, I believe Carmack had said that they are going to appeal the verdict up to see if they get that overruled or something. Uh, so that's going to appeals, and I believe that, according to this article on Polygon that I'm looking at, um, 
ZeniMax is also trying to stop production of the Oculus Rift currently. Oh. You know, all of the dev, all of the units that they're trying to sell is basically saying, "Hey, those were that was built on technology that you guys just said broke NDA." Why did they wait producing. so long to enact that then? Because like they should have been able to shut them down well, if they wanted to shut them down like far earlier. Yeah, well, that was part of face. Uh, I'm sorry, of Oculus and Facebook's kind of defense of. You know, so the crux of the thing was is that John, Car- John Carmack used to work at Zenimax and was very into VR technology and stuff, and I guess had been in talks with Palmer Lucky when he was building the Rift. Uh, he would eventually later leave Zenimax and go work with uh, Lucky, or I keep forgetting if his first name is Lucky or if his last name is Lucky. It's okay. Palmer Lucky. It's okay. He has a shady history, so you know it's fine. Yeah, so he left to go do uh, the Oculus stuff, uh, and you know, it wasn't until much later when Facebook acquired him that this whole lawsuit came up. So that was part of Facebook's kind of defense of you know, hey, if you had all of this, if you had all of this knowledge, why did you wait till they had till they were starting to make money to kind of attack them? And that that seems to be kind of what you were saying, Drew of. If you knew something was wrong, why did you wait all this time and not act upon it? Well, to, um, to me, it, it just seems so calculated, you know? Like, if this was a legit concern of theirs, like, oh, you're stealing our technology, then yeah. then then you, you nail that in the bud early on. If you're waiting for it to see if it's going to become, like, an important thing, and then they have enough money that you can sue them for more, then I feel like you're being... I feel like you're you're doing something a little too intentional, and I it feel sounds, like that's that's not like even if it was legally still true, like when you're making a calculated lawsuit, that's when I have yeah. an issue. You know, I think your issue is because <clears throat> it seems so opportunistic. Yeah, for yeah, it. that's the I'm word I want to how, use. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's how might of the jury have seen it because they argued that, uh, and I'm wondering if that's why they maybe only went with the NDA was broken instead of the full. Because I think Zenimax was saying, look, you couldn't... Uh, Zenimax's claim was that because of Carmack's technology and know-how, they wouldn't have even been able to build the Oculus Rift at all. Uh, and I... So, you know, they're saying that it couldn't have been done at all. So I'm wondering if the jury kind of also was saying, like with you, Drew, where it's like, it may be an opportunistic, but at the very least they have broken some NDA stuff. Yeah, um, so so when me, and, when me and Adam were originally talking about this, um, we, had, we had a pretty lengthy discussion about um, sort of property rights with code. And I think I lamented almost immediately that, like, it really sucks that when you're coding something that, that like, all your code is not yours. And so it, it leads to this, it leads to super weird scenarios. Like, sometimes, like, you'll write a function for whatever you need to do while you're writing a program, and then you switch companies. And if you rewrite that function from memory, is that stealing from the previous company? Like, um, that that's that's what it kind of brings up for me in my head. Yeah, like you know, for the audience, all three of us work in the tech industry and all program and code stuff. Uh, oh, and it yeah. does. I don't know if we do anything in particular that'd be like, oh, we should patent this thing right now. At least I don't. I, I write automation code. Well, uh, I mean, I do know that. If it's a matter of I'm rewriting from memory, then I believe there's legal grounds for no, you know, that's fine. Um, versus like if you straight up rip code away and you can prove that the code you're using is in fact like 
not the same, but like in the same vein, then that's where you can get in trouble. There was, um, yeah. and there was actually, uh, there was a case where, um, someone tried to sue Google for something they had built because it was theoretically using some of their starter code. Um, and this was something where the judge actually knew how to program as well. And it was something like a hello world or something you get off a of stack overflow kind of being brought in for a very small operation. And in a case like that, oh, like the like the judge kind of says, like, no, that's silly. That's just, like, everyday know-how. So I guess it, it really just has to do with the extent, right? Like, yeah. if it's if the idea is, like, no, you took, like, our entire, our entire concept and, like, pasted it over. Like, I think it goes down to more concept than, like, concrete code at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, so, so the point I originally was making that that the thing is that the difference between concept and concrete code is a nebulous one. It really is just something you have to like. In the end, the courts have to figure it out. Like, is this most of it, or is this just some helper functions you remembered from your old job? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know the extent to which you know one is taking from the other in this particular case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think any of us know the, the full extent of the code base. It's secret to the public. <laughs> which, which, which is what makes it so hard to know, like, who's in the right at this point. Though I do yeah. think if you're going to sue, you should sue early on. You shouldn't wait till they've made a bunch of money and then say, oh, huh. we're very offended. You know what I mean? No, they're just, yeah. if they're just sitting on it after they're, like, profitable and after they got bought out. I'm like, okay. Okay, legally, yes, you can do this. But I mean, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I, think, I don't do law. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other side of it is that I'm like, okay, so Zenimax, are you planning on making VR headsets? Because if you're not, then why are you trying to cancel the production well, of Oculus? See, that's kind of the thing of uh, how, how I put this. From my understanding of law, even if they, even if Zenimax didn't have any intent to do anything with VR or anything like that, but it was their know-how and technology that's still in infringement because it was like, no, that's our stuff and we choose what to do with it. So if you quote-unquote stole it, then you stole you still stole it. Um, it does, and again, that's another one of the arguments that, the, uh, that Oculus and Facebook came up with and why it seemed so opportunistic of, if you guys weren't going to do anything with this, why is this a problem? Is it just that you want the money out of it? Well, that's what copyright um, law is for, right? Like, eventually, like yeah. originally, an idea has like a light, a, a, an amount of time before someone else is allowed to use it. But, but then I don't want. Oh my god, copyright! Yeah, well, I mean, that's what this is. This comes down to copyright law, right? Like, okay. it's not being involved, but it's probably going to go in that direction. All right, can I just? I'm just gonna. We're just gonna go on to our our wonderful, wonderful. Um, I think. And write think, that down as a topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think we'll kind of call it it because this gets into the more uh, legalese of you know the the issue. Yeah, but it was like none of us are lawyers. I was kind of. Sh- oh, sorry, Sagan. I'm just saying none of us are lawyers, so you know. Yeah, uh, I, I was just shocked that Zenimax won anything at all. I, I kind of thought like, oh, of course, Oculus, and Facebook will win this. It's like, holy shit, Zenimax did it. They they won. Weird. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. In, in any case, um, we're forty minutes in. Do we want to actually talk about talk about video games? Maybe is that okay with you guys? Yeah. Uh, Let's God, do it. I, I just I just don't don't even want to talk about video games. What What if we talked Let's... about what it meant to be a gamer instead? Oh, okay. That's 
that's okay. That's different. Okay. That's All right, that's fine. That's fine. That's, good. that's not video games. That's like that's that's video game lifestyle. And okay. everybody knows my lifestyle determines my death style. Oh, that I don't need that's persona. I, so in any I'm, case. <laughs> in any case. Being... I picked that up from a different podcast. They keep saying it and I and then I kind of picked it up into my own vernacular. I really need to track down where the hell is that from? Cuz it's the dumbest best quote I've heard. If you do, let me know. In any case, um, so the tame, the, the, not the tame, the term gamer has to do with being someone who likes video games, or even, I guess, card games in some cases. Um, basically, just like, you know, it's a very widely used net, and I've had it thrown at me, I've had people say they're maybe kind of a gamer, maybe they're not, but in general, I think we can all agree that we play video games and we enjoy them to a point where we can talk about them for a couple so, hours every week, right? Fair. Yeah, no, we... I think we can all agree we're, we're gamers, but can I can I provide like a, a, a comparative definition of what a, what a gamer is? Sure, Zach, I would I love it. Think, I kind of um, think that was the first point on this here handy dandy thing of what does okay. a gamer and the term mean to you? I okay, so so for me personally, <laughs> did it have to did it have to be that hard to transition, Adam? Just saying. Um, uh, yes, yes, it has to be this hard. Anyways, it must be the most difficult so my, transition. My definition, uh, my, my definition of like what a gamer is is like it. A gamer is to games what a movie buff is to movies. That makes you know sense. I, I mean, like I I wouldn't argue against that. I think there's like I think it's very general, but I think everyone also kind of knows what it means. Unless you get into the whole like hardcore versus casual debate, which I think is. If you guys want to talk about that, go for it, but I think it's dumb, and I will have angry things to say. Uh, so, all right, I think so, that, that's so, part of the term nowadays, though. I, mean, uh, I suppose that's true. So the thing is, um, because of that definition, like, basically, you're, if you're, like, a games enthusiast is what, what defines what a gamer is, which means, like, by definition, you're probably a hardcore gamer. Mm. Like, it's, it's, you could, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet you could be under the, like, technical definition of gamer, while also being just like a casual gamer, you just play casual games. That's totally possible. Um, you could be like a total nut into Farmville for some reason and all those Facebook games, and you'd still be a gamer for casual games. But that's still. But I think for most cases, you're you're probably going to be a hardcore gamer if you if you are actually a gamer, mm. if you actually fit under that. And and again, I'm not to disparage. My definition is purely based off of how often are you playing video games and how much of your life is it. <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. Like, if you if you put yeah. in a couple hours during a week into into something that amuses you involving blinking lights or cards or something, then you can probably safely put yourself into that category. Yeah. Uh, and even if you even if you don't do that, like I've. To me, it's like a term of self identity. Like I'm not going to stop anyone from saying like what they are, or what they ain't. Uh, that's oh, never yeah. been a thing for I, I me. I think that's kind of what it is. It's like, do you identify as a gamer or like? I, I agree with Zach of like a gamer to me is a bit in like any person who is enthusiastic about games, whether that be you know video games like like we, we're talking about here or tabletop or card games, uh, you know, hardcore or casual. It's just kind of if you think you are. Uh, I think in the general use when I, to me when I when I hear people say gamer, I think they do. Uh, immediately kind of use the uh, how do I put this? Whenever I've heard the word gamer used, they are kind of talking about 
somebody who is very into video games in particularly, and in particular would associate as the hardcore gamer crowd. Yeah. I, at least to me, I haven't met many people who enjoy, I guess, more casual games, call themselves gamers, nor have I really heard, uh, and Zach, you're more into this, people who are really into tabletop games, I don't really hear themselves refer to themselves as gamers. They're more, yeah, no. they're more they, saying, they oh, just, you know, I'm into tabletop games. Funny story, they just call themselves nerds, but... Well, yeah. see, I, I like that. I almost, I would almost prefer that. Uh, you're, you're talking to someone who has a bit of baggage with the term itself. Like, to me, it's just, like, it's a hobby. It's something that you, like, really enjoy. But I would rather it just be something that feels more inclusive. Because I feel like when you get to the terms of, are you casual, are you hardcore, are you this, are you that, then it get, it, it almost becomes, like, um, like certain music genres where, like, yeah. there's metal, but then there's new metal, but then there's, like, heavy metal, but then there's, like, alternative metal, and then there's whatever tool is. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it, it, it feels the same way for me with games. Like, I, I just feel like it's this, like, hobby that I enjoy a lot, and I know far more about it than I have any reasonable, like, reason to. Uh, sorry for that sentence. Reasonable reasons are reasons. Um... But, like, if someone were to ask wait, me wait, if wait. I... Sorry, go ahead. They may be reasons, but are they irrational? Ooh, they're rational reasons that I'm reasoning about. Ah, uh, how reasonable of you. Oh, I thank you. I second. Highly, <laughs> highly logical, Captain. Indeed, indeed. Um, so. I would say that I, like, while I have my disparagement against the term, I understand how it's used. Like, I'll respond to it. And I... I don't know if, like, I feel like I fall under that category, but I also, I would rather just say I like video games versus I'm a gamer. And that's where I stand on that term. I think the thing is, uh, with a lot of game industry, like, marketing stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, the term gamer oh, does seem to get thrown around as kind of like... I think like I that's said, what it is. I think that's what it is. Like, there's a clear marketed version of what's, yeah. what it's supposed to mean to play a video game, to have a PlayStation, right. to have a console, or yeah. a PC. It, it seems to me like most, at least the people I, I've kind of hung out and associated with kind of also fall into that, you know, I play game, I'm a gamer because I enjoy games and kind of just of whatever genre. But there does seem, I can understand your kind of maybe uh, hesitation on using the term and maybe other people's hesitation on using the term. Like, it, uh, it's not so bad nowadays. I, I think I had a bigger problem with it when I was growing up. Uh, like, well, I was going to say, I've had the inverse of... Because, like, nowadays, it's like, oh, you know, if somebody says gamer, I, I guess the immediate thought of, like, to me is, like, somebody who's, like, only into the hardcore gaming scene, nothing else kind of deal, kind of whatever that gaming industry has now termed gamer to be. So, cause like Whereas back when I was younger, gamer was just, yeah, whatever, I'll call myself a gamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting, because like, I really do feel the opposite. I feel like it's a wider net these days. I feel like more people feel like they fit under that umbrella. Like, I know there's, al there's always, like, you know, little tiffs about, like, you know, who feels accepted and who doesn't, but I, f I feel like there are generally more people who are playing stuff now than when I was younger. Like, meeting yeah. up with a few buddies was really hard if they were only into, like, a certain type of game. And now, like, there are entire websites and meetup groups and networks dedicated to playing Smash Brothers on a Saturday night if you feel like it. Um, yeah. 
so this is where I this is where I get to show off why I'm a giga, why I was a giga nerd. Oh, dude, but, I'm ready. Um, I there's a little bit of identity going on here for me, but like for me, I, I've never had like an issue with the term explicitly. I've I've had an issue with the way it's marketed. Mm. Yeah, um, that's what where I'm coming from more. Um, I've always been like, uh, like it's, I guess for me, it's just sort of like something that you just sort of sigh and live with that. Like sometimes like that they market games in a particular way and that they show off games as being a particular fashion and that certain people promote that as the only way to be a gamer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, you probably have the majority of people who identify themselves with gamer probably fit into this category. I don't even think it's the majority to be honest with you. Um, I, okay, so, at this point, we might have to determine, like, what, what the marketing is specific for. Let's do but, that. Let, let's all have a nice dig at what marketing thinks gamers are. What is marketing think gamers are? Um, as so, a marketer I, myself, I will tell you exactly what you are, you filthy gamer casuals. I think it's, I think it's somebody, somebody who has either a nice enough PC to play decent Steam games, like, decent in terms of graphics qualities and, and, uh, other things like that. It's basically somebody who plays a forty to sixty dollar game, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. not on their phone. You can't you can't count forty to sixty dollars in microtransactions. Yeah, yes, you can. Got me. Is it like? Well, there's a lot of really good okay. mobile games now that people seem to discount just because. And like, it, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you, if somebody says like, oh, I'm really you know I consider myself a gamer. Like, oh, what kind of games you play? Well, I play you know a bunch of games on my phone. Like bunch of mobile games or like farmville and somehow i feel like there's this group of people that says oh that's not you're not a gamer you're just a casual kind of thing and that's why i say like to me it feels like gamer has become a term for just the people who are in the hardcore triple a scene kind of thing Hmm. yeah so that's that's kind of what i'm getting at though is, is basically if you have if you own a console and you primarily play video games on it they're marketing towards you um if you own like a pc and you and you play games that usually average out in the range of 40 to 60 bucks, that's probably what they're marketing towards. And I think that's what the definition for, for gamer is by, by advertisement. Hmm. Um, I, and it's not, it's not the, uh, it's not say drew who plays a bunch of indie games for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. <laughs> hey, Hey, those games are sweet. They make me cry sometimes. Not, and I love them. Hey, hey, I love my indie games. I'm just saying, yeah, and, but see, even that's part of the thing of like, I feel like just being able to say like, oh, I, I like indie game, like you know, I only play indie games. I feel like some people be like, oh, that's not that's not being a true gamer. It's like, I think, well, then you got to get into the whole thing about like, what does indie even mean? Like, are you talking about the aesthetics of an indie game being under fifty dollars? Oh, are you talking about like literally independently developed? Um, which I think okay, so <laughs> like, because I know what people comes, mean in the terms of I like think, an indie, like an indie and independent. But then there's, like, the weird nuance of, like, well, technically it's not. This was made by Ubisoft, yeah. and it was supposed to look a certain way. The way Budweiser yeah, yeah. makes Blue Moon. So, okay, no, stop. So, I can't. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing I don't drink beer. Um, but, uh... Oh. Damn, I've had that marketing. conversation so many times. Um, but, uh... Can we just talk about crap fruits for the next 20 minutes? But... I was going to bring up something, because, uh... You know, when Drew kind of brought this feature up, it was about how kind of gaming your your gaming lifestyle. And I thought I'd ask, you know, uh, 
as games have changed and stuff like that, kind of how your gaming lifestyle has changed or, you know, how you have changed as a gamer being older, uh, you know, like gaming when you were 12 versus gaming now and oh, stuff that's, like that. That's excellent because that's, oh God, it's changed so much for me. I Like, I've gone in phases. Um because nowadays, you know, I've got I've got a job, I've got responsibilities, you know, just at my apartment, I gotta do a lot more maintenance, and I'm, like, I'm just worried about a lot more things than when I was a kid. So I only really get, like, a few hours during the week to kind of, like, crack away at a game. And so there's a lot of stuff that is no longer appealing to me. When I was a kid, I was really into, I was really into, like, Tales of Synthonia, or, like, just, like, games that could eat up my time. You know, games that were all about exploration and, like, could go on for hours. And and now that's, like, a negative thing for me. Like, I remember when I was a kid, a game that advertised itself as having 80 hours of content was super exciting. And now as an adult, that's, like, something I want to, like, not have anything to do with. Um, on the flip side like, of that... time commitment stuff well, and, like... Yeah, time commitment. Um, I feel like maybe I get a little less involved with like the memes and the jokes that come with the games. Like, like when I played Half Life when I was kind of in my teenage years, I or I guess teenage college. You know, I um, like I got really invested in that world and like the mods around it and like going in and like changing little things here and there. And I don't I don't really take the time to do that anymore. Um, and I. I guess that just really comes down to, like, how much time I allocate to it versus versus nothing else, really. That's just what it is. Um, yeah. My tastes, and I guess it's affected my tastes, too. Because I like shorter experiences than I do yeah. longer ones. I think one thing that, that we've mentioned in this podcast, and I know it was kind of brought up as jokes. Uh, I don't know if Drew remembers this, but I kind of remember this. In one year, uh, in our senior year, it was always kind of a joke that Drew was the indie games guy because mm. Drew would always just be playing these little indie games yeah but and you kind of said then what you what you're saying now is just like you know you know you're busy with stuff like that so these little very isolated experiences seem to appeal to you is, is that kind of it is more what you're saying it, it like that's that's pretty true that's it and i mean that was senior year we were packed like we didn't have time for anything at least from my perspective like uh um my, I think my lifestyle overall for games, I think it's gone through a similar transition to, say, Drew's, um, with small exception to the fact that, that uh, I'm more, I'm far more willing... To, like, like Drew likes to go out and, and likes to, like, go to bars and have drinks with people and go <laughs> do things. Um, That's right, Drew. I, I do thank things. you? I... Drew, Drew likes doing things. He, he very <laughs> much so enjoys actually living life. I, on the other hand, am totally willing to sit down and play video games all night um and so i i've had i've had like less of that i've been like here let me sit down like i i recently i uh, i spent like three months getting to max level in final fantasy 14 and i sort of did it just by getting home get on the game play the game for four hours and go to sleep um jesus and the thing is, is that I really enjoyed that experience. Like, it's super uh, fun to do. Um, and so I always try to, like, um, and I think, like, wh when I used to take the train into work, um, at first I started reading history books for a while, which was pretty cool, but then I got a 3DS, and then I just, I, like, I think I got through 
most of Bravely Default, which is basically a Final Fantasy game. And, and and then I stopped taking the train, and so I stopped playing that game. But uh, but I, I always just try to squeeze in gaming time wherever I can. Like games are games are my jam in a very big way for me. And so, um, yeah. Although I am noticing my weekends are getting busy, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm in. I oh what what happened to my weekends? They used to be so free. <laughs> I like this. I, I do like your transition though. I used to read train. I used to read books on the train about history. Now with Nintendo, I can just I can just do this other stuff. It's like, damn, the intellectual. <laughs> yeah, there goes the intellectualism. I still have a bunch of history books, um, and I keep telling myself that I'm going to read them, and I want to buy like but a Bradley shelf. Default, like, though. Yeah, Bradley Default. Um, and Pokemon. I still need to be Pokemon. Oh God, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, but how I does that just... can, if I may, like. How does that compare to... Because the general theme seems to be, like, we all have less time to play the video games, but we still try yeah. to make the time for the video games. Um, yeah. Like, has your taste changed at all? Because, like, mine totally um, has. Like, I... Oh, yeah. I, I, I hard-lined onto indie, like, during my college years, and I, I never oh, really did. bounced back. The thing is... The thing is... I'm not... So, Drew... Drew, as, as we both know, I've known you since middle school. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're, that. You're, this is news to me. More oh. teaming up, I guess. Oh, sorry. <sighs> Team Drew and Zach. Team Drew and Zach. Yeah, I hate you guys. So Adam, no, you're the Green Ranger. You come in when we're about to die, and you're like, "Oh, what's up, losers? Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off." Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so the thing is, your your transition to indie games from me, from like my perspective, like I saw you starting to indie games, and I was just like. That's a Drew move. That's a Drew move right there. Like I, it happened, and I was like, "Well, that's un- that's that's totally expected." <laughs> I, I don't know how to interpret that. I don't know what that I, means. interpret it as you are a man who likes things that are interesting and different. I will say, I feel like that's a compliment, but I feel like it must be backhanded because it's too nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean that in the most neutral way possible. Drew, I kind of see where he's coming from, because there have been a couple times where I'll see an indie game like, like, Don't Starve. I told you this before, but I'll say it again. I saw Don't Starve, and I was like, that's a Drew game right there for sure. I, I saw it's Don't Starve. It says the art style that you would like. Uh, it, it just sometimes, occasionally there are certain indie games where like, that's a that's one that Drew will There's, play for sure. I, I want to say, Adam, I want to be offended, but I really like Don't Starve. Like There's... a lot, it's like actually perfect for me. Fun fact: their follow-up game, Invisible Ink, is super freaking good, and everyone should play it. All right, I will definitely try playing it. But I, I also want to say there's a certain style, there's a certain aesthetic to certain games, like a certain art style that I look at, um, and I immediately think of Drew because if Drew in high school, Drew, like you, sorry, I, your name is Drew, and I'm talking about you drawing things, but, but, but basically, so Drew drew out some, like, uh, cartoon dudes for a while and did some Flash animations. And I always look at them and be like, that looks kind of like Drew's Flash animations. <laughs> um, I so, I'm, so I always look at it and go like, oh, that is that is right up his alley. You know what, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I, I, like, I, it's weird because I never even made that connection with myself. Um, oh. That, like, I enjoy like making things in that style and then i would obviously enjoy playing things in that style 
because uh, it's like doing that, but without all the work that goes into making anything. <laughs> Look, it's like someone made this game for me! It's like someone made the sandwich, and I didn't have to make the sandwich. They just gave me the sandwich, and it's great. <sighs> uh, I'm trying to think. So, I have, a, I have kind of a similar thing for what you guys have said, is, you know, um, the games I kind of started off with were, like, Zelda and Pokemon, which are these big adventure stuff, uh, adventure games. And so those are kind of the games that I, I really like. They're these big RPG... Uh, I really like big RPGs, uh, adventure games, a lot of exploration and stuff. And as, as is the common theme, as I got older, I just had less and less time uh, to do that. Um, but I still really like them, and I try doing that. I think uh, what, what's kind of changed about me is, uh, is that I still... And maybe this is just something I say of like, oh, I'll, I'll buy this game and I'll get to it eventually, and that's how I end up with this giant back catalog of a bunch of games. Is that like, I still try to play these RPGs, but because I'm running, I like I don't have as much time. I just don't have as much time to sink into it. Like, uh, you know, when I was younger, it, it took me I think maybe only a couple weekends to actually beat Kingdom Hearts one. But now really? that I'm like, oh, you know, the new one's coming out, I, I really want to replay those, and I think, oh god. I forgot how long these games were and how much time this is going to take to do all the things I want to do. Because one thing that hasn't changed about me was is that when I played games back then, I liked getting all of the stuff and getting like all the little trinkets and items and stuff. And I still want to do that. But modern games make that very difficult to do in any reasonable amount of time. Uh, sometimes it's like you need like, three playthroughs do this like but i only have maybe time for one yeah i've i've uh, henceforth sort of like I, I i'm at a point where i like and i guess this has always kind of been true for me but like once i played something i'm done with it you say like, that but then you're doing bloodborne on new game plus i'm doing it on new game plus not to beat the game again but because i wanted to play the dlc <laughs> Mm. Yeah, he he fucked up and went to the DLC. <laughs> yeah, I really fucked up. Uh, but no, you haven't though, because meow 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 meow. Alert. But like I said, uh, you know, I still really liked RPGs and I like these games. Uh, one thing that's happened is you know a lot of these really long running series that you know I kind of was interested in that I really wanted to play back as a kid, but I just didn't have the money to, like, maybe buy a console. Like, Metal Gear Solid is a great example for me of, mm. like, I always really wanted to play Metal Gear Solid, but I just didn't have a PlayStation at the time, and I didn't really have... And then when I got the PS2, I was playing so many other things. Now that it's like, oh, you know, MGS5 is out, and that's the last one. I really want to play those. Uh, and now I have the ability to, and I think I own most of them, but it's like, yep, I just got to sit down and actually do it. It's like, oh. It's not culturally uh, relevant to you anymore. And... It's weird to say, because like, I, I really do respect those games, and I want to play them. It's just, boy, that's going to take... I know I know myself of how much, how long I would want to spend kind of doing all this stuff, and I know that there, I just have so many other things I kind of also want to do. Uh, it's that dilemma of you go to the fridge and go, oh my god, there's nothing to eat, but it's full of food, and it's not that there's nothing to eat, it's just nothing is hitting you correctly at this time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I feel you. I feel one thing you. that kind of happened is that modern games now have trophies, and as uh, I said, I, I, yeah, I get that. I get that expression a lot, Zach, and I gave it to myself. Of, uh, I actually have some games that I just put down or either kind of ruined a playthrough of because of trophies until I took like a hard like look at it. 
Yeah, uh, no, I... And that was... Oh, go I, ahead. I took a hard line on trophies right at the beginning. I said, no, I did yeah. not... I, I, I told myself I will not give a shit about trophies, and it has served me so well. I guess I was the opposite, where... Uh, and, Drew, I, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I think I know you, you didn't really kind of care too much about trophies at all. I, I enjoy when I get them, but I don't want to go out of my way for a trophy. Like, there are some where it's like, right. you have to, like, beat the game a couple hundred times or do a certain thing correctly, and that's not yeah. something I, I care. Like, I don't want the points. I don't want the notoriety. I don't want the fame. I just want to get the job done. I guess to me, uh, like I said, when I... The first few games that I started were, like, adventure games and stuff, and especially Zelda, which was all about exploration and finding all, the, like, the little secrets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started my completionist kind of thing. And to me, for the longest time, trophies were also part of that experience of, like, okay, I did all this, and let me go try to get all the trophies. And you're right, at the beginning, they were like, oh, you know, you'll get all of them if you just play the game, maybe do a couple extra stuff. Now a lot of them are like... Go do this super hard thing under these under these restrictions. Like, oh, but I, I don't know if I have the time to get that done. I can't do that. It never requires starting over, and I already put, like, 30 hours in. Uh, I, I think I just got spoiled, because in games I played, I played where I got rewarded for doing, like, ob- like obscure little things, I got <laughs> lots of cool stuff. Like, like, in Tales, you get, like, extra costumes or dialogue, and in Metroid, you get, like, all kinds of new missile packs and concept art. The idea that, like, a little yeah. box is going to go up and say you did it is almost insulting to me. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, thank you, too. You know, The, the game yeah. I always think of that trophies kind of ruined for me is actually Demon's Souls. Uh, because when I played that, I looked at the trophies and saw that, you know, all, a bunch of them are like, get all magic, get all, you know, miracles, and get all these things. And I kept trying to figure out, you know, this is a game that's going to take me a long time. Is there any way I could do it all in, like, one go? And there is, but it's like this super convoluted, complex series of steps. And I spent so much time trying to plot it all out and figure out how to do this that by the time I actually figured out and knew how to do it, it was like, oh my god, I do not care about yeah. this. Uh, so I always feel like I, I want to go back to Demon's Souls and just not give a fuck about you know trophies or anything. Uh, because But that was the game that kind of burned me out on like, Dude, I don't care. Trophies are kind of, like, dead to me. Does Does Mass Effect have a different trophy for every ending? God, I hope not! Because, like, it's, <laughs> it's shit like that that makes me just think, like, they could technically do that, and I, I just don't want to even indulge. You know well, what I mean? Uh, Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution does of seeing yeah. each step, because at the very end, at the very end, uh, not going to say what, you make a choice, and uh, your, your choice will greatly influence which ending you get um until the sequel yeah well until the sequel said no no this one happened and you're like oh well uh which i I don't know that that's something maybe for a different thing but like Mm -hmm. uh the way you did that is you beat the boss you save and then you walk forward and pick your three one of your three choices and they like okay i chose all three of them in these three different save states give me my trophy and Give me the trophy for seeing all of them. Hmm. It's like, damn, that's some ingenuity right there. Yeah, no, I think, I feel like achievement should be be able to be done in a single playthrough. But um, I'm gonna. Yeah, but that's that's like that's my gaming life of nowadays. 
I will still play those big RPGs, but I actually set aside time. Like, I'm really enjoying 15 because, boy, is it easy just to play and not have to worry about anything. Well, that's yeah. that's nice. Uh, now, so, I, I, had a, I had another question I wanted to go over with you guys. Um, and this has to go with, like... We can talk about, you know, games we like amongst ourselves. And even if, it, even if like, you guys are talking about Persona or Final Fantasy and I've not touched the damn things, I can understand the lingo and the way, like, the way they kind of play out. Um, but for people who are kind of outside of that culture, they have no idea what you're talking about. And this is a problem I run into when I want to talk about, like, Bloodborne or talk about something that I really like with someone else who has no context. And so, how... How do you guys tend to bring people in to new games? Or how do you, like, introduce a game or introduce gaming to people who are, like, kind of new or fresh to something? This uh, so this I actually have... kind of came up during the weekend with, um, with me and Zach. Um, we had a buddy who was playing Bloodborne for the first time. And we had very different ways of sort of, like, helping him, like, get accustomed to the game. Uh, I think I was a little, a lot more, like, offhands, and Zach, you seem to be a lot more, like, on hands, kind of like, you can do this, this, and this. Yeah, and I, I, I was sort of pointing things out to him and being like, oh, go over there and go grab this thing. And yeah. Just, just pointing out interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, like, that's, that's like, and that's like a style of introduction. Like, do you feel like, you know, okay, do I hold this person's hand? Do I just so, let them yeah. get eaten by wolves? Do I introduce so, concepts or terms? Um, like, it's a so, whole thing to, like, bring someone into the fold. Like, how do you bring somebody who maybe isn't, who wouldn't consider themselves a gamer and kind of introduce them to your, to the hobby that you kind of like? Yeah. I feel like this is, so, so this is part like, how would you teach someone how to play your, your favorite video game? Or probably a better example is how do you teach someone how to play Magic the Gathering? Um, I only say this because I'm holding a Magic the Gathering card in my hand. But I was going to um, say that's weirdly specific. Weirdly specific, I mean, and it's also really hard to teach someone to play that game. I'm holding money in my hand. How do I teach somebody how to get money? I wish they would teach me. Uh, <laughs> okay, but yeah, so, and, and then the other part is, how do I explain what happened in a game to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think. Mm. And so, for the first question, um, when it comes to um, a video game, I think, I think a lot of times if someone's absolutely new to the game, because the person we were, the person me and Drew... We're, play, we're, we're hanging out with whose name is also Drew. Um, the person. Oh, is this a Drew. short Drew? Yeah, this is the short Drew. Sorry, oh, he hadn't played Bloodborne. Amazing! Now, I, now I'm excited. I hope he plays it again. But but he already he already understands the lingo of games, generally speaking. So I can sort of point things out, and he can just be like, "Oh, that's cool," and then he runs over there and gets it. But I think if someone's absolutely new to the game, if it's a video game, I'm I'm just gonna hand you the controller, and I'm gonna try really hard not to talk. Mm. <laughs> And just be like, all right, go for it. So you're not into the whole backseat gaming situation. That's that's not um, your jam. I try not to be. We will. I will never say that I won't because mm-hmm. I backseat everything. But I think. <laughs> but I think. I think it's best that it just you just sit somebody down, you hand them the controller, and you let them play. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like with say again, Magic the Gathering, which is a card game, you do have to explain the fucking rules to them. Um, and so you just sort of like hand them this, and this is how this works, and you have to sit there and try to explain it to them. Hmm. I have a little bit of experience doing this because I've tried to teach... Um, I tried to get an ex-girlfriend of mine to play games, and it did not go super great. Hmm. And then I 
And, uh, and now she hates games <laughs> and is banning them in Australia left and right. Oh, God. Um, and then I think I offered to teach Magic the Gathering to my current girlfriend, and she politely declined. Aww. <laughs> now you and, guys will never enter that doubles tournament. <laughs> oh, my God. You, damn it. You have to. Oh, that's. See, in my head, that seems really cool, but I also know that it's not going to happen. I, I think that it could either be really cool or, like, incredibly nerve-wracking. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. if you go into attorney and you totally fuck up, it's going to be, like, a long conversation that you can't get away from. Oh, now, yeah, honey, no. honey, I know you tried real hard, but what the fuck were you thinking <laughs> putting that card down? Why the fuck didn't you put that counter We spell? talked about oh, this. This is we why we went to therapy. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, so how do how do you guys teach people how to play games? Also, I, and I think move on to the how to talk about games with people who don't play them. Well, that's uh, afterwards. That's kind of what I yeah. meant. Like, because like oh, you're because okay. well because uh, I maybe I didn't explain it properly. Um, but no. like like I took the two questions of like how do you explain like a hobby to someone versus like how do you like how do you introduce people to a game or like games in general. Uh-huh. And, like, part of me, it's hard because you have to know the the audience, right? Like, if it's my brother and I'm like, hey, Danny, do you want to play this, like, random indie piece of trash that I found? Like, (laughs) I just kind of sit in the back and, like, let him get surprised. Um, And if he misses something, then that's that's fine, because he's accustomed to it. Like, I'm I'm not in a position where I feel like he needs assistance. But if it's... Yeah, because your audience already knows that kind of the terminology and mm. stuff like that. I will say, um, there was a time when I tried to teach my parents how to play Portal, and the offhand approach did not work at all, because they didn't understand, like, what certain... They didn't understand, like, what certain keys meant. They didn't understand that you, like, click things and things happen. Um, and that's, like, a... Like, just through... I think, Adam, we ran into this when we, like, playtested Lens a while back. It was a, a first-person game we worked on. Like, we had people who straight up, like, didn't understand stuff that seemed very basic to us and didn't understand terminology. And I think in those cases, you know, you, you do kind of want, like, a co-pilot. Like, uh, like, a little, like... Maybe not a backseat driver, but, like, you know... Like, uh, student drivers? You know, you got someone who's, like, sitting down little points going, Oh, hey, maybe you want to do this little thing. But I think that's more guidance, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you could have an entire... Guys, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, take notes. We could have an entire podcast dedicated just to tutorials and how those work. Oh, dude, we should totally have a podcast about tutorials. uh, Write that down. Whenever I think about, you know, how to get people in... I guess I'll take it as two different questions. Mm -hmm. When I try to explain gaming as a hobby or get people into it, it's more... I find it really easy to to start kind of general and be like I don't like using a lot of like the the lingo stuff like if I'm talking about an RPG with somebody I'm not going to start telling them like well this he's a DPS AD carry character that does this it's like no you know I'll, I'll just start with very general you know this is an archer person they go they shoot really fast and deal lots of damage stuff you know I, again that's part of the how do you if they have absolutely no idea of the lingo you just kind of want to put it in terms that they'll understand and so that's kind of knowing your audience and stuff. That's true. Uh, when trying to explain, like, you know, kind of what a gamer is is to somebody, or, you know, why do you play these games? It's like, you know, because they're fun. It's fun to kind of, you know, to have all these new experiences, to kind of play around. You know, each game is kind of like a little challenge of, 
well, the developer said, here are the tools, do this, do this thing. And I think, I will do that thing. Yeah. I will do a real good. And you give uh, me a trophy, goddammit. So um, I, I also had some experience doing, uh, sorry to cut you off. Oh, I'll, I'll hand to you and just say, and then, um, when, when you're saying, and that kind of also ties into, if I'm trying to teach somebody how to play a game, uh, it depends on who I'm teaching. Like, when I when my buddy Jordan came up to me and said, hey, I want to play Dark Souls, I said, let's fire up Dark Souls and you can try that out. Uh, and we played, uh, played a little bit of that. You know, I, I kind of didn't say much because I kind of knew that he knew, already knew the lingo and kind of the working of the game. As opposed to somebody like... Uh, when I tried, I remember when I was younger, I tried to get my mom to play A Bug's Life. I think I remember really that. that I remember that one, Adam. Just so you know, that's the weird, like weird, goofy 3D one, right? Yeah. And it was the first time I'd handed a game to my mom, and because I was younger and didn't really understand, I guess I kind of had assumed that everybody must know these things because you know, again, you're in the hobby, and you know, sometimes you kind of take for granted what it, what was a learned thing versus something that's just kind of common knowledge. So I was like, God, mom, you gotta, you gotta jump here. What mom, why are you wasting all your berries? God, I still understand. I, I will say one of my favorite gaming moments with my mom was she was, uh, we got to the second level in the anthill and she's running down. All this level is, is a straight corridor. She starts running down this corridor and all of a sudden, this big centipede jumps out. This thing looks so shitty. It doesn't even look like a centipede. It looks like just a, a bunch of, like a single solid brown block with two other blocks being the face. Ew. And to me, it was like, ah, what do I care? My mom freaked the hell out. <laughs> That's my one of my favorite moments. Oh, boy. But so yeah, what you're so... saying is it can be scary to be introduced to new things, Adam. <laughs> Oh my god! Never try new things. <laughs> so, Always stay with what you know. Oh my god! So, I, I do want to say I I did have one great success with my ex girlfriend teaching her to play to play the games, mm-hmm. um, and that was uh, for the for the video game Civilization Revolution on the Xbox 360. Ooh! Um, I I I'm not even joking. Um, I literally I like sat down. I handed her the controller. And, like, two hours later, she was conquering the world and being like, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, well, that worked. <laughs> See, I think if you oh, can no, get she... a situation like that... Though I'm surprised, because Civ is so... It's like... I, I've not played the console version, but it's kind of a heavy-handed game. I'm surprised yes. that she was able to just jump into it. So, it was Civilization Revolution, which is a really, really pared-down version of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sat her down and said, like, here's how you do this, here's how you do this, here's some strategies that I like to employ, which, by the way, she did not employ my strategies at all. Mm-hmm. She employed different, she did, better strategies. She, she, she did, like, the exact opposite of how I play through any Civilization game, and was just, like, dominating the board, and I was just like, I'm very, <laughs> I'm super happy that you're really enjoying this. Did you kind of uh, look at her and go, what monster have I created? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, so so I did have some success there. But I, I think in terms of like talking about games, like if I'm not trying to teach somebody how to play the thing, um, I think I I have learned that I should just shut up about the mechanics of what was going on unless it's very pertinent to the narrative of what was going on. 
like if I'm gonna if I'm say if I'm chatting with my dad, um, and we're talking about video games or something, or or like I'm I'm describing this like funny thing that happened in a video game, I always try to like think about well what's the narrative of this funny thing that happened, um, and how can I just tell like the funny narrative bit, like how yeah, can I explain this easiest mechanics possible, um, and I think that's that's just the way to talk about games because in the end like. Like, the stories you want to tell about games are just that. They're stories. And so you have to think about them in terms of stories before you start talking about to to somebody who just doesn't know what games are. Yeah. Mm. I think because every person, the person who's not in the hobby, who's not the enthusiast, uh, you know, and that's something I learned uh, as well as Zach, is that, you know, when I talk about games with people who aren't gamers, uh, a lot of my friends are gamers, so I can, you know, I can usually just go, super deep into mechanics and talk about yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I'm talking to my grandma who asked me, well, you know, what are you doing in this Zelda thing? It's like, oh, you know, I'm Link. I'm going to go save, save Hyrule. I'm just, you know, here's the story of what happened, not necessarily the, yeah, my, yeah, grandma, I rolled, did a sick jump and dived in and got the heart container piece. Yo, what up? I've, I've never talked about Zelda like that. Grandma, give me my trophy. <laughs> oh, wait, Nintendo doesn't do trophies. Grandma, give me a wee friend code. The grandma's like, yo, sure, dog. Uh, my grandma... Quick interlude. My grandma has used the term yo, dog. And I was like... Oh, did she, did so she use it, like, intentionally? Or was it kind of like, a, oh, I'm an old person? Uh, no, I, I... I can't remember what happened. I think I walked up to her at, like, Thanksgiving and was being a smartass. and was like, yo, grandma, how's Thanksgiving? And I was like... <laughs> Yo, dog, mashed potatoes are almost done. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you, Grandma. I hear you. I feel you. Mama told me to come get the plates. Do you want me to set the table? And that's that story. Adam, your, your domestic life is so great. I have a, I actually have another, uh, a really quick interlude for one, uh, before I asked uh, another question. of like, uh, It was one success story I think I really had by getting somebody to do a game. It was my dad with Mario Golf. And it was great because I knew, I thought I knew lots about this game because it was Mario. And it's like, oh, dad doesn't know nothing about about video games. No, I was super wrong. My dad is super into golf and schooled me at this game. I don't think I ever beat him. That's amazing. It was just just an amazing moment. And I look back at it because it was like, I think I learned more from him playing that game about it than I did trying to teach him about the game. Like, I didn't know, what the hell is a birdie? What the hell is an eagle? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, birdie is two under par. Uh, eagle is one under par. Like, what the fuck is this? How is this happening? Oh, man. That's now amazing. I, now, I, I, now I sorely regret. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So when I was a kid, my my dad, um, we, would, we would come into my dad's office sometimes during the summer and installed on his computer was like um uh like sim golf resort (laughs) (laughs) now i understand why um but uh i I really wish i had played mario golf with my dad i like because my dad's also really into golf and so Mm. i can imagine he just demolished me and i'd just be like oh since we're talking fun family or family friend game related stories drew do you have one of trying to teach a friend or something well i i told you i tried to teach i tried to ooh. I tried to teach my mom how to play Portal. I tried to teach my dad how to play Half-Life. 
And I wanted to teach my dad Half-Life because he's he's a classy man. And, you know, he really likes to, um... He likes to, like, watch old black and white films. And I thought, okay, well, this is a this is a nice way to introduce him to my hobby. I'll give him a nice classy game. One that doesn't start with any killing or shooting. And, like... Yep. Like, like Half-Life? Like, it's Half-Life. Yeah, like, the first, intro, like, the introduction to that oh, game oh, is, okay. like, this, like, really no, well-known, like, sequence of events where you're just, like, completely powerless and in, like, a train and, like, a prisoner. And I wanted to introduce him through that. And, like, two minutes in, he was just telling me, Son, I'm really bored. When do I get to blow stuff up? And, like, <laughs> <laughs> my glorious plan to introduce him to a piece of art failed terribly. Dad, games are art? God damn it, Dad. That was, that was what I had going in, and he didn't want it. He wanted he wanted to play the nice shoot 'em up pew-pew. Um, and so that was, that was my fun time. That was my fun time with my dad. Since then, we've had discussions, but that kind of sticks out to me as a weird moment where I tried to do good... And it was not rewarded whatsoever. <laughs> um, in any Jared, case, how we doing on time? say again. How we doing on recorded time for this pod? This oh, we pod. are. We're in an hour and a half. So I, I got one more question. But if you guys want to call it, we can just go over to toasts. Let's do. Let's do one more question. Okay. Uh, question. We answer them very quickly. Lightning round. Lightning round, everybody. My final question um, is. Is there anyone in games or games media that you admire, that you feel is a good example of, you know, the field, the industry, the community? Um, oh, jeez. You know, maybe you like Hideo Kojima and his wacky, goofy <laughs> art horniness. Oh, man, yeah. I, you know what? I don't even play yes. those games I like Hideo Kojima. I, He's just a goofy, I cool guy. He makes me happy. I love Hideo Kojima. Uh, yeah. I love his commitment to the craft. I love that he will go to the most bizarre lengths to get, like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but part of the Fox engine was written by him in a particular language because he wanted things just so. So he's like, all right, screw it. Nobody else can do this. I'm doing it. That is bold. I, I was like, yeah. damn, you de- you the best. And he recently came out with a quote of, like, I'd like to make games till I die. And all I could think of is, wow. I do too. Hideo, but don't die. <laughs> that wasn't a confirmation that you can die. I'm just saying I agree with the sentiment. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I would say um, I tend not to think about... Like, I feel bad, because there's, there's certain games that I really... Um, that, I, that I've really enjoyed. There's a couple... I'm probably Valhalla, which I talked about as, as my favorite game of 2016. And then... Uh, the people who made Bastion. And I think, I, I really like both of those teams, and I know none of the people on those teams. I like know none of them by name. I only know, I only know, um, the artist for Bastion used to work at Gaia Online. That is literally the only thing I know about them. I person. didn't know that. that. Makes so much and sense it makes, now. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so... So that's that's everything I know about it, and I, I don't know if I idealize those two teams, but I think they make really good games, and I like them. Um, and I think, generally speaking, uh, you know, there's other people in industry, obviously, like uh, was it uh, really old school gamers making Star Citizen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who you're talking about, but I, I understand the story of 
guy who was known for an entire genre of games comes back to do it right because he cares so yeah. damn much. Yeah, I, I heard that story and then I saw the, uh, noticed the old games and I have to go play them, but I, it's really cool. Um, last one, I guess, would be Notch, if only because everyone knows who Notch is. Not Notch. If everyone, Notch is sorry, cool. everyone, everyone in video games kind of knows who Notch is. Yeah, Notch. For people who don't know, is the guy who made my uh, who made Minecraft, basically. Yeah, a- and he made a lot of little games before Minecraft. He, That's uh, true. Yeah, he made uh, he did a lot of weird programmer specific stuff. Like there was a there was a under four K challenge for like you only can use up four K of memory for your game, and he made um, Left Four K Dead which was, like, a little zombie game you could play. And it's, like, you're just a little dot, and you're running from green dots, and it's super cute. And it's, like, only only a nerdy programmer would ever uh, make Drew, that. did you already say who you, like, any industry or games media kind of person that you... Uh, no. No, I haven't. Um, Go for it, man. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I... I like Tim Schafer a lot. I, I've played a few of his games, some games from Double Fine. Not all of them, but... Whenever I read up on him, he he's someone who like clearly got in got involved in games for like personal reasons, like he legitimately wanted to do it. And he's like dedicated to making something that's he wants to make things that are artistic and out there, but he wants to have fun. And like that's a really important part of why I like games is that there's this kind of playfulness and fun to actually playing a game. It doesn't take itself so seriously. And he seems really dedicated to making that stay alive, and I appreciate that. I think it's an important part of, you know, the culture. I like him, and I want him to stick yeah. around, and I want his Kickstarter projects to work and get finished on time. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. He doesn't everybody. All right. Um, oh, wait, technically, technically, mm-hmm. I can say um, that I like Andrew Hussey as a game developer. He is, he is the guy who made uh, uh, Problem Sleuth and Homestuck, which are webcomics. Oh, that's uh, cool. Technically, he's also the lead director of a Homestuck game, so I can say that. Makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. There are a lot of people, you know, like I said, Hideo. Uh, I think if I had to keep this quick, I think my favorite industry person is probably Shigeru Miyamoto. Oh. He, he is basically Mr. Nintendo, and Oh shit, Reggie! I, oh, uh, well, Re- and Reggie. Reggie and is uh, Reggie. I love because he's like one of the few game like marketing industry folk that you know is like he's the business end of it. That's like, God, you just seem to actually really care about this. You seem like so re- and then you know Iwata as well. Just like. Uh, uh, you know, they just seem so passionate about it, and they're in the business and industry. Uh, but Miyamoto's creativity and just like ability to make a game out of just the like the smallest things in his life, just a stat like Pikmin. Apparently, it was a thing because when he was young, he used to just like be in his backyard and play with stuff. I was like, "How the hell did you get Pikmin out of this?" Like, that's I kind of see it. Uh, Iwata as well. Uh, who I, I didn't really know about this part of him until much later. Um, he was, you know, he's like the president of Nintendo. He was the president of Nintendo. He was, he wanted to be the face of it. That's why he had his Awada ass. But he was also a crazy good programmer. He fit an entire Pokemon game inside another Pokemon game. Like, d- 
did you any of you guys play Pokemon Gold and Silver? I did. You know how you could go to the first game world and explore that? Yeah. That was awesome. That was him. That is awesome. He, he apparently, like, the last part of it said, you know what, I bet we could fit this other game in there. And just, like, rolled up his sleeves and just got to town doing it. It's like... That is fantastic. Because, like, I, I remember beating I, that game and being like, wow, okay, this is cool. What's up? Can you play Pokemon Gold and Silver on the 3DS? Uh, yes, they re-released it. Okay, I might, I might, like, once I beat, once I beat Moon, I will probably go and go get one of those versions. It also raises the question of, why can't you go back to the other regions in any of the other games? Why is Gold and Silver the only one you can do that? I mean, I, I, that's freaking, that's dedication. That's a lot of dedication. Uh, And then, people in media, I like this, I guess I really like the super best friends, if only because, uh, they just seem like people I would have known otherwise, and they remind me a lot of a lot of my own friends who are just really excited about games, and it's fun to follow people who are excited. Uh, and I've grown a really deep respect for people like Jim Sterling, who like do these really deep investigative things. Uh, I, oh I love I love that guy. He's fine. Um, we're we're in a, I feel like we're in a time crunch, so I don't want to talk about like media people. But how about uh, this? How about this, y'all? Let's let's do some let's do some toasts and pour outs to anyone else who we may not have mentioned because we could stay okay. up all night. So, Adam, any toasts or pour outs to anyone wonderful? I'm gonna pour one out for Iwata. I am deeply sad that he passed away. Uh, I think he was a guy who left way too early. I love him a lot. Uh, that's my pour out. My first pour out that isn't ironic or stupid in some fashion. <laughs> I love it. Um, I I have a sm- I have a pa- I have a pour out to Edmund McMillan, dude who helped yep. make uh, Super Meat Boy, Binding of Isaac. Um, I just really like all of his stuff because I'm an indie twerp. So here's to you. <laughs> I have a really quick story in about you and Edmund wow. McMillan. No, it's not. Zach, go One on. One day. Oh, hold wait. on, Zach. Let me give you this story. One day, me and Drew were bouncing around Santa Cruz. We went into a sandwich shop. I look over, and Drew is all coward in the corner, being all bashful. I'm like, Drew, what's up? That's Edmund McMillan. He's the guy that made Binding Isaac. Like, we should go talk to him. Like, no, I don't want to bother him. Like, you are so starstruck right now. I can't deal with this. Uh, Zach, do you have any four outs? Did you eventually go and talk to him? Um, not not that day. I ran into him at another point, though. He was nice. That's, he was really chill. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so, I think... Alright, I gotta pour one out for the uh, the Extra Credits crew. Oh, they're great. Um, who make uh, interesting and usually good analysis videos and just talks about games in general. And uh, I especially like their history series because I really like history. Um, and, and I think they do they do good stuff. Um, but yeah, so there's, there it is. Wonderful. Well, well then Zach, do you want to give us a lesson of the day? All right. Hey there, everybody. It's time for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson is when you slay a dragon, leave it there and let everyone know you killed it. And that's the lesson of the day. Well, that now, Zach, is informative. Thank now, Zach, you, Zach. Let me ask you this question. That dragon I killed, 
is a second dragon going to come by and mourn its loss for a thousand years? Do I need to kill that one as well? Yes. Damn. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, listeners. Have a lovely day, night, whatever twilight you're doing. We'll catch you at another point in the future. Peace be with you. That's it. I've come up with a new recipe. Recipe. Can't wait to try it. Recipe. I can taste test for you. I've come up with a new recipe.